0: Journey into Comics. Poor entertainment, Poor news.
1: Foodies watching movies. Adulting 80s.
0: Podcast Read The Voice of Survival.
1: Kids for Sale. Gallif Radio. Bruise
0: with dudes. Journey into Wrestling. Journey into Comics Network. JourneyIntoComics.com. Following, following the following is a journey, into comic. journey into
2: comics a journey into
0: comics journey, comic. journey
3: into comics journey into comics network 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 network, network. production production
4: this is andrew poor host of poor news and poor entertainment as well as co-host of adulting ain't easy and foodies watching movies and you are listening to the journey into comics network best of the week and here are we
5: go ladies and gentlemen you're listening to journey into comics
0: officially folks the avengers four trailer dropped we're gonna talk about it here we're the first on the network to do so i finally get to have claim to say that i get to talk about this first Woo! so here we go we're gonna watch the whole thing i'm gonna kind of like Briefly comment while I'm watching this actually I'm probably not going to say a whole lot Uh, maybe we'll see but I am going to go back and like try to do some frame by frames throughout this thing maybe I'll just do that at the start we'll see we'll see how I'm feeling but if you guys haven't yet seen it yet the Avengers trailer has come out we are going to not spoil that title yet Uh, but here we go it's Iron Man's mask it's beat to shreds and what Thanos did to it. It's not a complete mask either, obviously. stay on. Scan's him. The mask stay did.
5: If you find this recording,
1: don't feel better at this. Part of the journey is the end. Just for the record, Give me chills to just to hear Zero, him say the that. The promise of rescue is more fun than it sounds. Food and water ran out 4 days ago. Oxygen will run out tomorrow morning So
0: so this is essentially him Recording his final message
6: I will dream about you It's always you
0: He shuts the mask off Scarecrow Thanos Bitchin' Walking Thomas in the field.
3: Exactly what he said he was gonna
0: do. New Avengers facility. Oh, Steve Crying. I'm Widow talking. Avengers. Shuri, Peter, and Scott Lang definitely among the missing. We lost. Thor looking brooding, but not really saying anything. Nebula on the same ship Tony's on, friends. let's not forget.
6: We lost family.
0: Seems like a new character. Natasha's looking at him. It's revealed as Hawkeye. It's Jeremy Renner. He's back. Is I universe. found him. This is gonna work, Steve. I know it is. Cause I don't know what I'm gonna do if it doesn't. Over. That just like almost brought tears to my eyes. Him saying that and I've watched this trailer like fucking ten times. Avengers
7: End Game.
5: We met a few years ago at the airport in Germany. That got really big. Is this an
7: old message? Ant-Man?
5: Ant-Man, I know you know that. It's the front door. That's me. Can you buzz me in? April. Oh, baby.
0: Oh, man. Let me just say... Okay. That trailer was fantastic. It has just enough. doesn't give away anything. It has a lot of room for me to give you guys a lot of opinions of where I think they can spin this off. What I actually think they plan to do. What I think the misdirects are in this. And how things are really going to shake out. So, first and foremost, I just want to say that this trailer did crazy, crazy numbers, folks. Okay, and those numbers are, I'm trying to fucking find where it is here and okay so the it has like 284 million downloads in 24 hours it's crazy it's a crazy record that they've set Uh, also I want to mention this happened in, in comics before we get into my opinions of what I thought about the trailer and, and really diving into them. And aside from just like numbers talking, the snapening as we've been calling it actually has an official name. Now the decimation, it is not the snapening. The decimation is what happened when Thanos did the snap and, uh, got rid of half of all life, um, in the universe uh that's pretty cool because the decimation is just like brooding as fucking evil and like god damn you know like what the fuck uh let's see here i wanted to talk about this there have been some questions raised uh, about like why is captain marvel not in there come on we didn't really expect captain marvel they're not gonna they can't give us the first time we're seeing captain marvel teaming up with the avengers in the trailer That's called blowing your load way too early. That's a payoff moment we need to see on film, in real time. Especially after March when we actually see the movie. Like maybe after March, after we see the movie, we get to see like a trailer with her interacting with someone or something. But come on now. Get out of here with all that. You know, some people are asking this question. I think this is a very valid question. How does Scott Lang get out of the quantum realm? And I want to address that now, immediately. Here's my theory on this, folks. I'm not reading from any kind of script or have anything pre planned. This is direct from my mind. This is what I believe is going to be happening. So essentially, the decimation happens. Certain members retreat back to Avengers' facility in upstate New York. Not all of them, but some of them, the ones that are remaining. I feel like maybe Rhodey decides, like, this is. Way too fucked up. I'm just lucky that I'm here. I'm going to go home on my sword because that was too fucking much. Like, I can't be a part of this shit anymore. That fucked me up. I got PTSD. Ain't like no other, you know, or some shit. So he's out of commission. And then, you know, you got a couple Avengers and Avengers Tower or Avengers facility there in upstate New York. And a lot of time is going to pass for them and I'm talking like a couple years probably. And it'll show like it'll do it'll show like a couple minutes after the snap and then like after the snap it'll go 4 years later and it'll be back and they'll be still talking about it like we still I still can't believe like he did it. He wiped down a half of all life. Like what are we going to do? And they're going to see Scott and they're going to think it's like an old message that's just like glitched and playing. And they're like how do we miss this all oh, this fucking thing? Then they realized that it really happened. How did Scott get there? He got, if you guys followed Ant Man and the Wasp, at the end of Ant Man and the Wasp, he was in the Quantum Tunneler when the decimation happened, where Hank Pym, Hope Pym, and Janet Van Dyne all were snapped. And he's trapped in the Quantum Tunneler. So he is going to take Janet's advice and get trapped in a time vortex he's going to start working through time vortexes. he's going to see a couple he'll maybe go and do a bad wrong one or something and find his way back i'm not sure how that would work or he'll just on first try get the right one and slight the future to the four years later point where we are currently he'll get out of the quantum tunneler because that'll be the outfield for the you know thing and the The van will have just probably been staying there in stasis this whole time. No one's really going to fuck with it, you know? The world's changed. No one's going to go out and look for shit on rooftops like that. So he'll get out. He'll go to Avengers Tower because he knows upstate New York. Oh, I know. I know, Cap. I know. I remember. I remember everything in the news. They were going upstate New York. I remember, you know, like all the papers, blah, blah, blah. When you're in jail, you have a lot of time to read. Whatever the excuse is. So then he'll show up. And he's gonna be like, look, guys, I have an idea. And it's a crazy idea. But I think I know how I can save everyone. We're gonna go into the quantum tunneler. We're gonna to go to the past. We're gonna undo we're gonna do the reverse of what we're doing now. But everyone's gonna play essentially themselves. And we're gonna kind of phase in and out and try to adjust some of the events that happen. Just enough. Just enough to knock the decimation off course. Just enough to keep one of the stones out of his hand just enough to do anything to undo what has happened or try to get everybody to be safe right not sure how that's going to play out but we'll have to see i do love this question and um maybe it is a simple out of frame but a lot of people are curious where is rocket raccoon in this how did he not get included in this trailer whatsoever um i i do think that it's possible he's just off frame and not being seen I think it'd be funny as shit if someone else said something about him being a raccoon. Like after the after the decimation, he's like, "What the fuck are these raccoons?" Like I keep hearing about them. and they go, "Well, you're on Earth. There's lots of raccoons. Maybe you should go find your people." And maybe he goes and like tries to be one with the ra- the surviving raccoons, you know. But then he's like, "This is not fucking me. I need to get back to it." That'd be a weird side story. I don't think they're gonna go down that route. That's just crazy fantasy booking, but. Uh, I think that Nebula, uh, some people are curious, like, Nebula, where was she at? Well, she's obviously in the Milano, like Tony was. Um, One thing to note, the Milano in one shot looks like a sparrow. I think it's interesting to mention that the sparrow is actually a symbol that sailors used to get tattooed on them as a way to signify the end of a journey. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So... I thought it was interesting when the Milano is floating in this one particular scene in space. It looks like a sparrow. And I was like, oh, that's like clever, subtle. It also could be nothing. But I don't think it's nothing. But I think Nebula is actually on the ship with Tony. And I actually think that Nebula and Tony are kind of at odds. Nebula's like, I'm a cyborg. I don't really need to eat that much. Like, It's not that big a deal to me. I'm fine. And oxygen is not really a big deal to me either. Like, whatever, it's cool, but you're human, so you're probably going to die. Whatever, I can't save you. Sorry, because that's how Nebula is. She doesn't give a fuck about this random human guy, no matter what. But maybe they worked together to get the Milano working so they could get off of Titan. They're adrift in space. And, of course, I I would love the concept of, like, Tony records the message that's the first part of that trailer and nebula just at the after like what they didn't let you hear because they have to give some comic relief for the movie though is like nebula after that being like god quit being so over dramatic we're gonna be fine like i put out a distress call and there's some possibilities of some people coming now one thing some people have said is like well could that be captain marvel maybe i like that as a possible answer to save tony i think it's cool possible who knows uh, some people go, oh, what about Pepper? Could it be rescue? They, they've they shown pictures of her on set as rescue. Is that the thing? I don't think that's the case. I don't think that she could get that far out without having some sort of device send her that deep into space. So I don't really think so, but I don't know. I do think it's possible that Kraglin could be one of those people. Uh, Kraglin built a little bit of a rapport with Nebula at the end of Guardians 2. And it would be really fun to have him just like out of nowhere save their asses. Like, well, I was locked in on the Milano, and I I knew you had to, I knew you had some uh, some troubles because I got your SOS, and I got right here. I thought you'd like buy a hat or a pretty dress, something make the girls go, ooh, that's nice, you know. So, uh, I think Craglin's a lock for being one of the people that could possibly save Tony. I also think, I really think that it's possible that maybe Thor could save Tony. I don't know how exactly he could use the Bifrost and and Stormbreaker to, uh, oh, that's a concept. So, I don't know exactly how he would use Stormbreaker to like open the Bifrost directly to Tony if he didn't know where the Milano was or that Tony was even on the Milano, but I guess that's a terrible concept anyways. Uh, So it seems like the world kind of uh, has PTSD about the decimation because according to this, it's showing that people who we know as the audience who've watched the movie have been snapped are, quote, missing. And missing means that they are not dead like Thanos said where he wiped out half of all life they're just missing right so i uh i just think that it's interesting to talk about how the fact that like the avengers probably don't come out and say straight up like hey by the way uh this is our plan, anyways, so, oh, uh, yeah, see, they do, I I forgot that, actually, they do feature a pretty interesting Infinity Gauntlet Easter egg in the trailer, where um, Bruce is looking at the people who are missing, it shows Scott Lang is missing, Peter Parker, oh, revenge of the yawns tonight, Interrupt the Journey into Comics Network feed for this
4: late-breaking edition of Four News, featuring Andrew Ford. The U.S. Service, the headline is, it was an honor, and then it's, um, from USS Bush Protective Division, sent Friday, December 7th at 6.01 a.m. to all personnel, uh, subject, final Timberwolf departure notification at 0600 hours. Timberwolves' detail concluded at 0, 0600 hours on December 7th, 2018, with no incident to report at the George Bush Presidential Library, College Station, Texas. Godspeed, former President George W. Bush. will be missed by all of us. And George W. Bush was obviously very loved by the Secret Service. There was a, a story I read a while back about um, a son or a child of one of the Secret Service agents that was assigned to his detail in his more recent years, Um, was battling cancer, and a lot of the secretaries were going to shave their heads in solidarity, and George H. W. Bush did that as well, and it just kind of shows one of the nice things uh, about him. And also, a statement was put out by the White House, which is kind of a little biography. so I'm going to read that for you guys now. Uh, George H. W. Bush, as the 41st president uh, from 1989 to 1993, brought to the White House a dedication to traditional American values and a determination to direct them toward making the United States a kinder and gentler nation in the face of a dramatically changing world. George Bush brought to the White House... um, I guess it's the same statement. In his inaugural address, he pledged in a moment rich with promise to use America's strength as a force for good. Coming from a family with a tradition of public service, George Herbert Walker Bush felt the responsibility to make his contribution both in times of war and in peace. Born in Milton, Massachusetts on June 12, 1924, he became a student leader at Phillips Academy in Andover. On his 18th birthday, he enlisted in the Armed, Air, Armed Forces, the youngest pilot in the Navy when he received his wings. He flew 58 combat missions during World War II on one mission over the Pacific as a torpedo bomber pilot. He was shot down by Japanese anti-aircraft fire and was rescued from the waters by a U.S. submarine. He was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for bravery in action. Bush next turned his energies towards leading his education, raising a family. In January 1945, he married Barbara Pierce. They had six children: George Robin, or George Robin, who died as a child; John, known as Jeb; Neil, Marvin, and Dorothy. At Yale University, he excelled both in sports and in his studies. He was captain of the baseball team and a member of Phi Beta Kappa. After graduation, Bush embarked on a career in the oil industry of West Texas like his father Prescott Bush who was elected a senator from Connecticut in 1952, George became interested in public service and politics he served two terms as a a representative to Congress from Texas twice he ran unsuccessfully for the Senate, then he was appointed to a series of high level positions ambassador to the United Nations, chairman of the Republican National Committee, chief of the U.S. Liaison's Office in the People's Republic of China, and director of the Central Intelligence Agency In 1980, Bush campaigned for the Republican nomination for president. He lost, Bush, chosen as a running mate by Ronald Reagan. As Vice President, Bush had responsibility in several domestic areas, including federal deregulation and anti-drug programs, and visited scores of foreign countries. In 1988, Bush won the Republican nomination for president, and with Senator Dan Quayle of Indiana as his running mate, he defeated Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis in the general election. Bush faced a dramatically changing world. As the Cold War ended after 40 bitter years, the Communist Empire broke up and the Berlin Wall fell. The Soviet Union ceased to exist, and a reformist president, Mikhail Gorbachev, whom Bush had supported, resigned. While Bush hailed the March of Democracy insisted on restraint in U.S. policies towards the group of new nations. In other areas of foreign policy, President Bush sent American troops into Panama to overthrow the corrupt regime of General Manuel Norregia. nor I'm struggling with pronunciation tonight, who was threatening the security of the canal and the Americans living there. Norgesia was brought to the United States to trial as a drug trafficker. Bush's greatest test came when Iraqi President Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, then threatened to move into Saudi Arabia. Following to free Kuwait, Bush rallied the United Nations, the U.S. people, and Congress and sent 425,000 American troops. They were joined by 118,000 troops from Allied nations. After weeks of air and missile bombardment, the 100-hour land battle dubbed Desert Storm routed Iraq's million-man army. Despite unprecedented popularity from this military and diplomatic triumph, Bush was unable to withstand a discontent at home from a faltering economy, rising violence in inner cities, and continued high-deficit spending. In 1992, he lost his bid for re-election to Democrat William Clinton. George W. Bush passed away on November 30th, 2018, at the age of 94. And I don't know if since you've prob since his passing, you've probably seen a lot of tributes out there. You see a lot of people on Facebook and Twitter wish their kindest regards to him and um, their prayers and thoughts to his family in this uh, rough time for them and. Since this come out, uh, some of the things that have come up is that history, is is it being too kind to George W. Bush? Um, this is an article from Politico um, by David Greenberg. The 41st president puts self-interest over principle time and time again. George W. Bush's diet in our national media have begun the familiar rituals of presidential passings. Round-the-clock uh, pieties on cable news, fond tributes from associates, the inevitable softening of the rough edges... This isn't surprising. There's ancient wisdom in the Latin aphorism De mortuis nil nisi bonum. Speak nothing but good of the dead. The urge to uh, prettify a politician's legacy upon his demise is understandable and in some ways reflects our finer selves, which his family, friends, admirers deserve comfort in their grief. But when it comes to president and historical actors of consequence, we also need critical dissent. When writing my first book, Nixon's Shadow, about the president's Endlessly protruding image. I find myself grateful at that at the end of his, at the time of his funeral, a whitewash that minimizes constitutional crimes. Sober, serious historians like David Halberstam and Gary Wills stood up to provide corrective reminders. Had they not done so, future readers might have believed that Nixon's attempted comeback had succeeded when it, in fact, did not. Respect for the dead must coexist with respect for the historical record. In the case of Bush, this balancing act means acknowledging not only his positive qualities and achievements, as so many news outlets have already copiously done, but also what may have been his defining political hallmark, his cynicism. From his opportunistic criticism of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, to his 1980 election season embrace of supply-side economics and anti-abortion politics, to his last act as president pardoning many of the Iran-Contra crew in order to protect himself... There was a recurring tendency to place short-term gain above long-standing values. This isn't to say Bush lacked principles. As a young man, he volunteered to fight in World War II, and as an old man, he undertook important post-presidential disaster relief efforts. These and other acts showed courage and class. At times, in working with Democrats on clean air legislation, the Americans with Disabilities Act, and the 1990 deal to tame the debilitating Reagan-era budget deficits, he acted humanely and even nobly. But in this historian's reckoning, self-interest prevailed too often over principle. My friend, the historian Tim Nefatli, has called Bush the most underrated president of our times. I would say that what we're now seeing proves the opposite. Bush was the most overrated president since Dwight Eisenhower and possibly of all time. The son of Prescott Bush, a wealthy investment banker and moderate Republican senator from Connecticut, George W. Bush entered politics at a moment when the GOP's center of ideological gravity was beginning to move rightward. His career bore the marks of his struggle to square his patrimony on social liberalism and responsible statesmanship with the new demand from Republican voters for a more zealous and populistic conservatism. By launching his career not in New England, but in his adopted city of Texas, where he had moved to make his fortune in oil, Bush would find himself continually pressed to sacrifice his Yankee principles of noblest, Oblige in social moderation, most famously he did this in 1964 when running for Senate amid the great civil rights struggle. Regarded by many Texas conservatives as an Eastern carpetbagger, Bush denounced the historic 1964 Civil Rights Act that outlawed radical discrimination in schools, employment, and public accommodations. At other times, as with his congressional vote in 1968 for a fair housing bill, he incurred his cons- constituents' wrath. Too often, though, the former choice, not the latter, served as Bush's template in making decisions. The willingness to put aside convictions for political opportunity resurfaced in 1980 when Bush, after running a surprisingly strong second in the 1980 Republican presidential primaries to Ronald Reagan, recanted his well-known denunciation of supply-side economics as voodoo economics and his long-standing pro-choice politics in order to be chosen as Reagan's running mate. Throughout his career, Bush often said that while he might take the low road in campaigning, he hewed to his ideals while governing. But here he had done the opposite, trumpeting his true views while seeking the nomination, then abandoning them once in office. With Bush's acquiescence to Reagan's more conservative politics, the last hope for restoration of Rockefeller republicanism perished. Never again would, we, would the party boast a major national leader who defended reproductive rights, or questioned the merits of supply-side economics. During his own bid for the presidency eight years later, Bush remained under parole from the right. To placate his party's diehards that year, he chose a vice president, Indiana Senator Dan Quayle, who was anti-abortion, hawkish, and opposed the new civil rights measure. I've never seen Bush admit this, but I've always thought that the handsome, affable, preppy, and somewhat happy-go-lucky Quayle reminded the elder Bush, uh, consciously and unconsciously, of his own firstborn son. Quayle's unreadiness for the presidency soon became evident, and much like John McCain's selection of Sarah Palin as running mate two decades later, it was judged to be a short-sighted, irresponsible move. An even more fateful bid to satisfy conservative skeptics that summer was Bush's pledge at the GOP convention, read my lips, no new taxes. Fighting what Newsweek billed as the wimp factor, Bush felt pressured to demonstrate his Reagan-like machismo with what pundits were calling a Clint Eastwood moment. The Ironclad vow not to raise tax rates short up support from the right, but in times of skyrocketing deficits, it hamstrung the president after he took office. Eventually in nineteen ninety, Democrats who controlled the House and Senate forced Bush to accept some new taxes as a part of a massive budget compromise. The administration called them revenue enhancements. In his reelection campaign in nineteen ninety-two, Bush would announce not the original pledge but his violation of it as its worst mistake. Many of the uh incominums encomiums I'm just, yeah, I'm struggling today. Published today, dwell on the president's race and magnanimity, but his campaign showed a less attractive side of his personality. Bush's 1988 presidential bid had been widely deemed the ugliest in modern times. Under the tutelage of hardballers Roger Ailes, James Baker, and Lee Atwater, Bush impugned the Americanism of his opponents, Massachusetts Governor Michael Dukakis, the son of Greek immigrants, and pandered to prejudice in making hay of Dukakis honorable decisions to accept a Massachusetts Supreme Court judgment that deemed mandatory Pledge of Allegiance recitals in public schools to be unconstitutional. What is it about the Pledge of Allegiance that upsets him so much? Bush taunted. Then came the Willie Horton ads that hyped the scare story of an African American criminal released on furlough from Massachusetts prison who raped a woman and assaulted her husband, never mind that Reagan as governor of California had signed a similar furlough bill. Bush's 1992 campaign against Bill Clinton was almost as um, scurrilous. The sitting president trashed his opponent for protesting the Vietnam War while at graduate school in England and made unwholesome insinuations about Clinton's motives for visiting Moscow while backpacking. Clinton shot back in a debate when Joe McCarthy went around this country attacking people's patriotism. He was wrong, and a senator from Connecticut stood up to him named Prescott Bush. Your father was right to stand up to Joe McCarthy. You were wrong to attack my patriotism. In between, Bush continued to put politics ahead of the national good in many of his appointments. Most notably in 1991, when Thurgood Marshall, the first black Supreme Court justice, announced his retirement, Bush could have honored his legacy by naming a respected African-American judge or legal scholar such as Amalia Kirst or Leon Higginbottom, but he selected a staunch conservative in Clarence Thomas, served up with the implausible assertion that he was the most qualified person for the job. Given that Bush has appointed David Sauter to the court, expecting him to name a more moderate black justice is hardly unreasonable. In foreign policy, Bush has generally been given higher marks, and in some cases fairly so, particularly for the management of European relations at the start of his post-Cold War era. We also made terrible mistakes, which were likewise rooted in cynicism. As Saddam Hussein was preparing to invade Kuwait, Bush sent the Iraqi strongman clear signals through the American ambassador, the United States has no interest in intra-Arab disputes, the exact opposite position of the one he took very shortly thereafter in which he drew a line in the sand. Bush contemporarily built international support for a military campaign against Saddam, but by leaving the dictator in power at the war's end, he fobbed off the problem onto his successors. By 1998, in violation of the ceasefire agreement, Saddam was refusing to let international weapons inspectors carry out their job, making it impossible to know if he would resume a nuclear weapons program. Wouldn't he not support George W. Bush's rash decision to invade the country to concede that he was addressing a problem that his father had left. In the words of Dick Cheney, a top official is both men's administrations unfinished. As distressing as giving Saddam a new lease on power was Bush's treatment of the Shiite and Kurdish minorities who had suffered under his rule. Early in 1991, Bush had actively encouraged Shiites in Iraq's South and Kurds in the North to rise up and depose Saddam. But after the successful expulsion of Saddam's forces from Kuwait, Bush concluded he didn't want to see the country fractured. He declined to bribe more than the humanitarian aid, and tens of thousands of both groups were slaughtered and dispossessed. A similar embrace of real politics shaped his tepid response to the Chinese government's massacre of student protesters at Tiananmen Square in 1989.
5: Red meat, we crave sustenance.
6: Guys, we are not invading my hand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You and I have talked about this concept for months and months and months, and I wanted to bring it to the show. Also mention that, uh, shout out to Miss Sarah, who's not feeling well tonight and couldn't be on the episode, and shout out to AP, who's not been on a few episodes of Foodies. But we want to play this with everybody soon, because it's a a really fun concept.
1: Yeah, this will be the test run.
0: This is going to kind of be the test run. I'm going to kind of skedaddle myself in the corner over there, sequestered, where you can't really see me, and then I'm going to pull out a couple VHSs. (laughs) Okay. And then I'm going to read the backs of them. But I'm going to omit all important facts. So I can't say the characters' names. I won't be saying cities or places. I'll just say, in a place, by character one or character two. So all the major facts that would immediately give the movie away are going to be wiped clean. And you're just going to be getting the general synopsis okay. from the back of the VHS.
1: Did you already pick some out?
0: Yes, I did. Oh, oh shit. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, I did. As I well, Nate was able to pick it.
1: out from my massive plethora collection of VHS tapes, and I hope he picked out some
0: good ones. Close your. Okay. to Close your eyes. Cause I, I won't look. To, I won't look. I'm, I'm closing my link.
1: eyes. Hopefully, your son. Like di-
0: hopefully, your son didn't get his hide and seek skills from you because he peeks. <laughs>
1: I'm not gonna peek.
0: Okay, so. <laughs>
1: Do I have to keep my eyes closed this whole time? No, you're good now. Oh, okay.
0: <laughs> okay. So, how far would an ordinary father go to spend more time with his children? This character is no ordinary father. When he learns that his ex-wife needs a housekeeper, he applies for the job. With a perfect wig, a little makeup, and a dress for all occasions, he becomes this character, a devoted nanny who is hired on the spot, free to be the woman he never knew he could be. The disguised character creates a whole new life with his entire family. What is that movie?
1: Surprisingly easy, Mrs. Doubtfire.
0: Correct. I picked an easy one to start. I didn't want to be like a Jerkenstein. <laughs> okay. All cool, right. Cool. So, That's so, a good VHS. Okay. So did you like how I read that? Did it make sense? It made sense. You did fine. Okay, totally. So <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire... Was an easy first tester. Let's see if we can give you some juice. And I'm gonna go. Mrs. Doubtfire
1: is a really fucked up movie. Watching it as an adult, it's a totally different experience. By the way.
0: Totally. I got to pick two different ones because I grabbed the wrong ones. Oh. Okay. I grabbed the ones that were supposed to make me remember the the movies I wanted to talk about. What did you grab? (laughs) Batman and Christmas Vacation. Oh. (laughs) Because I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I do have those on VHS. (laughs) Okay. I'm gonna need you to talk for a second.
5: Okay.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting game. Like I said, this is the test run. We'll see how well this goes. <laughs> but
0: I got one. Oh, he's got it. Okay. All I'm right, gonna eyes close closed on eyes this one. <clears throat> this thirty two year old character has spent his whole life avoiding responsibility. But his girlfriend has dumped him for an older man, and he's got to find a way to prove he's ready to grow up. In a desperate last ditch effort, he reaches out and adopts a five-year-old to impress her. She's not impressed, and he cannot return the kid. What is that movie? Big Daddy. Okay, pretty easy, pretty easy. Again,
1: pretty easy. This is an easy game, Nate. We'll turn
0: up the heat. We'll turn up the heat.
1: All right, bring the thunder.
0: Oh, see, she said bring bring the the thunder. thunder. She said bring the thunder. (laughs) Bring the thunder.
1: Of course, all of these tapes are mine, so it's pretty likely that I'm going to know what it is anyway. Yeah,
0: but I'm trying to still just catch you off.
1: Unless you find one random God. one that's not mine. And then it'll get me.
0: Nope, you'll know that one immediately. The <laughs> first fucking line. You're going to tell me what that is. is. Let's Actually, let's see if on the first line you can get it. Okay. Okay, the lush beauty and splendor of this paradise is vividly captured in this novel. Two small children and a shipwreck. And a ship... (laughs) I can't read. Ow,
2: fucking
6: god Is it Blue
1: Lagoon? Dude,
0: I'm about to throw this stupid fucking pop filter away. What? It just stabbed me in the nose again. I hate this fucking thing.
1: Yeah. Bad suggestion.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot, dick. Uh Uh-huh. Actually, if I do it like that, maybe.
1: Just adjust it.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to. Okay, let's... Was it Blue Lagoon? It was Blue Lagoon. Yeah, obviously. Oh, let's try this one.
1: (laughs) That's such a terrible movie, but I loved it. That one
0: actually does not have a description. How do you have a movie that has no fucking synopsis on the back? What
1: is it? What movie?
0: Dick Tracy.
1: That one doesn't have any description on the back? What does it have on the back?
0: Pictures. It just has two thumbs up. This picture is extraordinary. Best comic movie strip ever. Brash, fun, irresistible, hysterically funny. The running time, and then all the little details, but there's no actual synopsis on the movie.
1: Interesting. It's very rare for me to see a VHS tape that doesn't have just, like, a summary on the back to try to hook you into watching it.
0: I feel like these are all, like, hard because they're almost all speciality movies. Like, they all have a, a really interesting MacGuffin that sets them apart.
1: Well, I don't watch shitty movies.
0: I didn't <laughs> say that.
1: I'm not going to keep a VHS tape of, like... 10 cup or something
0: you have a vhs tape of 10 cup oh
1: well, maybe that's my stepdad i'm fucking with you. <laughs> you you
0: totally don't have a vhs tape of 10 cup Although, that was my stepdad's favorite movie join no secret hmm. when i was younger and going to mini golf i would always yell 10 cup and do the kevin costner like flip the cup <laughs> uh, flip the um uh a golf club around and make it like a cue uh like a pool, pool a pool cue yeah. yeah 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 that was my that was my jam when i was a kid it was funny to me wow these are difficult uh let's see if you will know hmm. this one this is going okay, i one probably get you okay this movie is the story of two unlikely characters whose whirlwind Life propels them into a dangerous game of high-stakes negotiations and high-speed adventure. The pair find themselves in an unexpected possession of something very valuable. When they plan to take it from uh, one place to another, there they plan to sell the goods and begin a new life. But the gangsters, the police, have other ideas.
1: Is that true romance? Hey. <laughs> that's like one of my favorite movies. And I questioned it I was like, "Hmm, no, that's definitely True I, Romance." Yeah,
0: I was going to tr- I was trying to throw you off your game a little bit cuz I know it was your favorite movie.
1: <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, if anybody out there that's listening hasn't seen True Romance, you're missing out. I recommend it. It's a great movie.
0: Last one.
1: Okay, last one.
0: For now, and then we'll do something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Here's the synopsis of this movie. It's pretty long. I'm going to have to kind of fumble through this, so good luck. My father has stuck it to me all my life, complains this character, a callous, self-centered young hustler who feels he's been cheated out of his money. Left only with his late father's prize bushes and a Buick convertible, this character soon uncovers yet another surprise, a brother he was not aware he had. Uh, This character is a savant living in a world devoid of normal perception. May, may well be the crowning achievement of the of his oh, that's a that's a fucking that's not a part of the synopsis is that's it Rain talking. Man? It is Rain Man, damn, you're too good. <laughs> you're, too, you're too good, girl. I'm too
1: good. I think you're it's because they're all your good. movies. Hmm? I think
0: if I were to grab one of my movies, like a movie that I had that you maybe don't necessarily own, or mm-hmm. I don't know, I think it'd be different. It'd be interesting. Now here's the real game, V. Do you want to get up and grab one movie? And try to trick me and see if I know.
1: That requires me getting up, but I'll do it.
0: You don't have to. I'll do it for you. I mean, you'd, oh, you're the best. Yeah, whatever. Okay, you, you let's are. see. Okay, I'm gonna going to just mobile. keep. <laughs> I'm going mobile. Going mobile. <laughs> <laughs> That's the episode title, going <laughs> mobile.
1: Damn, I got some good tapes over here. Word, I'm telling you. I forgot you. about them. I've got some shitty ones, too. <laughs> I don't think you would know that. Hmm, let's see. Well, I don't know. You were just
0: over here looking at everything. Yeah, but I didn't look at the back of every description, (laughs) speaking of. And plus, I don't have that good of a photographic memory.
6: I don't know. I just want to
0: see what your perception of how to do the game would be. Okay. So, you know, maybe I get it, maybe I don't. Maybe I suck and make an ass on myself. It'll be funny.
1: Let me see. Ooh, that'll be... Oh, shit maybe we have to do I this. was gonna be silly and make you uh, do this one the house rips apart piece piece by piece a bellowing cow spins through the air tractors fall like rain Twister yeah but then you would have said that and it would have been over holy shit I have two VHS copies of Twister right next to each other yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny
0: what's, what's more funny is I knew that because I organized your VHS's for you I
1: know I know you did <laughs> And they look nice. They I'm look glad nice. you like them. I'm glad you like them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, let me see. I think I might have one.
0: Okay, bring it on.
1: Let's see. Let's see if you know this one.
0: Sure. Oh, okay, do you see. know what drops tomorrow? No, I don't. Once Upon a Deadpool.
1: Oh, featuring yeah, Fred yeah. Savage.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Child star Fred Savage. Correct.
1: I remember. I remember him from... The Princess Bride.
0: Yeah, that, he's reprising that role, but I remember him from Wonder Years?
1: Yeah, he was in Wonder Years. I yeah. watched that on Nick at Night when I was little. Okay, are you ready? Yeah, bring it on. I've, I've got it. Sure. Now, am I... Hmm. I wonder if this game would be more interesting if you were to read the tagline on front of the cover as opposed to the summary on the back. Oh, shit. For future rounds. Let's try it. All right, well, you're not going to get it. Let me just do the summary for this one. Sure. They were perfect strangers, assembled to pull off the perfect crime. Then their simple robbery explodes into a bloody ambush, and the ruthless killers realize one of them is a police informer. But which one? I know it. What is it?
0: It is Reservoir Dogs. It
1: is. Critically acclaimed for its raw power and breathtaking ferocity. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a brilliant new American gangster movie classic from writer-director Quentin Tarantino.
0: I don't want to be Mr. Pink. (laughs) What the fuck you are too, Mister Pink?
1: Mister Pink, yeah, man, I got some good ones over He's here. He's Mister Brown. Like this whole pile is great.
0: It is golden.
1: Uh, yeah, Spaceballs, Psycho, Rosemary's Baby, Robin and Men in Tights, Silent Movie. True are you gonna romance. do a
0: tagline on any of these? Yeah, you want me to? Yeah, I want you to try just one, just to see how it goes. We're uh, f- we're f- we're freelancing right now. Okay. Trying to cook up something good. That's a that's a foodies joke, by the way, a pun. We're trying to cook up don't, something good. Don't look I'm over looking, here. I'm at don't look. I'm not looking. I'm not looking at you.
6: I'm not looking. Okay.
0: I won't look at you. I'm I'm not trying. I mean, I'm, I I want to look at you, but I'm not. Right
1: well, this now. one doesn't have any tagline. It's just thrilling, dangerous,
0: <laughs> lots of <hip>. movies.
1: <laughs> okay, ready? Sure. He wants to be tied down. She wants to be tied up. It's not what you think.
0: Whoa, um, shit, uh, is this a movie I've seen?
1: No, I don't think it is. I'll give you a different one. That was The Linguini Incident starring David Bowie. I've
0: never seen that fucking movie.
1: Well, you should because it's a great movie. <laughs> It's one of David Bowie's more ridiculous um, starring roles.
0: He did The Labyrinth. Nothing's more ridiculous.
1: I don't know. Let me read this to you. The Linguini Incident stars Rosanna Arquette, who's waiting tables at Dolly's, a restaurant for the terminally trendy, while she gets her act together as a Houdini wannabe. Just listen to that bullshit already. You know what I'm saying? Okay. David Bowie stars as a suave, mysterious bartender who may be a secret agent, human cannonball, or a pathological liar. He's desperate to marry someone, anyone, by Friday or else. Co-starring Marley Matlin as a cashier who delivers caustic one-liners in sign language. uh, And a bunch of other fucking people. And some other guy as a flamboyant restaurant owner. It's a stylish all-star comedy romp that is as deliciously off-kilter as the menu at Dolly. I recommend this movie. It's fabulous and stupid, and not very many people have probably seen it because it's some random one, but I recommend it.
0: The Linguini Incident. The
1: Linguini Incident, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, here's, in the, here's one with a tagline. Never give a saga an even break.
0: Never... Give a saga an even break? Correct. Um, My guesses. I'm going to say Christmas Vacation. You wrong. Oh, damn. Okay. I don't know.
1: Blazing Saddles.
0: Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have got that. Oh. I like Blazing Saddles, but I didn't know that... Not, not that that...
1: It was a weird tagline for it, I right? I did
0: not know that was the tagline.
1: Some of the, That could be a game model in itself. What taglines make no sense for the movie that they're on?
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Suggestions, please. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I'm done looking at my VHS tapes. So, I've seen them. So
0: let's talk about it. You were talking about how you're kind of jaded about more current movies, per se. I was because talking about that. Look at all these amazing old-school movies you have and the cool nostalgic value of them. And one thing you can't get back from these movies that I love, all those commercials. I know,
1: the previews, coming attractions for 1998. The Pizza Hut
0: commercial, I will always yeah. talk about it on the goddamn yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles VHS.
1: Which I have.
0: I mean, you know what? You don't. I do. You do not. I do. Uh, if, I
1: have one and two Secret of Views. Uh, and I have the VHS tape making of the
0: Secret of the you Views. You have the making of, but I don't... I never found in all of your VHSs there were never one or two.
5: We're gonna we're fuck, gonna fuck, fuck, fuck the, sodomites sodomites the sodomites in the... <laughs>
0: here's how prepared for you I am. I actually thought about this scenario. Like, okay, Venom, the movie I watched that I'm not happy with, has to be the basis with which we bring Venom into the MCU. What do I do? Okay, well, he left New York. He lost his job in San Francisco. All the shit with Venom happened. What's he want to do? He wants to go home. Eddie Brock returns to New York. He gets a job back at his OG stomping grounds, the Globe. He eventually, the Bugle, then he kind of butts heads with Parker, who's just starting to get his comeuppance and start in the Bugle. This is our introduction to J. Jonah Jameson. And behind the scenes at the same time, Eddie is using Venom to fucking figure out what the fuck Parker's deal is because he feels off about him. Right. Therein lies he gets your, vibe. your he gets twist. Vibe. your twist. And here we go. Parker as Spider-Man shows up. Now, it's not Parker. And he's like, wait, what? I was sensing Parker. You're not Parker. Or are you? There's the reveal in the whole movie is cat and mouse. Eddie knows about his I like it. Tr- Eddie knows about the truth about Parker. Parker is starting to kind of piece it together what Eddie is. But the movie is only cat and mouse because the symbiote leaves Eddie. He thinks Eddie's a loser. He's like, "Wow, this kid's actually really talented. Yep. He beat my ass.
2: This kid's got and shit goes, that Eddie doesn't have."
0: He goes and becomes Black Suit Spidey and then Eddie is just full-blown loser and you can have a totally different villain through the majority of the movie, but Eddie's always in the background. Go to the bell tower. Eddie's going to kill himself because he's found out about the cancer. Yep. At the same time, Parker's (laughs) recognizing that he can't be a part of the black suit because, like you said, he can't be all three. He can't be Pete, Spidey, and the symbiote. It doesn't work that way. The bell tower rings. It falls on Eddie. Eddie becomes Venom again. But now he's emblazoned with the spider, and now he's fucking pissed at Peter. Yep. And that's the end of the movie, so then you set up the future for them to actually go to war. That's what I thought Spider That's what I thought Spider Man 3 should have been. Should have been. Yep. Totally. We all agree on that. Because well, there were too many vid- villains. That's what that movie suffered. Too from. many cooks I in the kitchen. I
3: thought Spider Man 3 should have led into Spider Man 4, which would have been Carnage. Venom. No, fucking,
0: Venom. actually, Spider Man 4 was going to be John Malkovich being the vulture. Yeah. <laughs> genuinely <laughs> oh. he was already precast they yeah, already had pre-production Ugh. and with Tobey Maguire Didn't they, a they had a script and everything it Spider was going to come out in 2000 should be Venom. I want to say it was going to come out in like 2009 or something 8, 9, 10 somewhere around there and then it of course gets shelved amazing ends up getting into production it comes out uh, those are two totally separate uh, conversations to have about movies Uh, I will say they confirmed that Venom was going to be the official villain for the third Amazing Spider-Man movie, the Andrew Garfields. He was going to, again, they were going to do it just like the last series.
3: Post-credits in Amazing Spider-Man 2, they had Sinister Six. And Venom, yeah, correct. Sinister Six was supposed to get its own film.
0: Yeah. That didn't happen. Which I
2: think obviously. it might actually be in talks about again. Well, its, own film. it's
0: funny because every time there is a new property that gets brought up that Sony's developing a movie for, it gets dropped. They were going to do uh, Black Cat and uh, Silver Sable, canceled. Not happening now. Uh, the Morbius movie with Jared Leto, right now it's happening. If it goes to production, I'll be shocked, genuinely. Uh, but that's all I have for nerding out. Dick, you had an article pulled up that I need to know more about, my good sir. And I actually have one more topic to bring up before we get out of here that involves something happening in Lafayette this very next, okay. this very Sunday, or Saturday. I don't know what day I it is. I don't
3: have the article pulled up because I didn't think we were going to get to it.
0: Shit.
2: Is it uh, the Burger King one?
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, Burger okay, King. Okay,
2: so Burger King right now is offering fans or customers the option... The consumer. The consumer to purchase a Whopper for one penny... If you order a Whopper through the Burger King app inside a McDonald's...
0: You know what's fucked up? You couldn't pay me a penny to eat a Whopper. I hate Whoppers. I oh, think they're man. disgusting. Whoppers are good, man. Big Mac for life, bro. You know, I've Fucking, actually...
2: I'll, I'll see your Big Mac, and I'll raise you a Big King. Come on with it.
0: Big so... Kings aren't as good in there. Thousand Island sauce is a knockoff that's not quite Big Mac sauce. Big Mac's the original. Ray Kroc. Suck it. Take that, so...
2: take that middle... He fucking stole McDonald's week. from the McDonald's yep. brothers.
3: So last week, uh, speaking of, that's a good movie. Yeah.
0: Oh, Founder. The founder? Take the yeah. Middle good bun, movie.
2: Take the middle bun out of the Big Mac, and it's delicious. You
0: Order know what's a funny? a triple
2: cheeseburger, add mac sauce to it. It'll change your life. Dude,
0: I worked at McDonald's for four years, and that's one of the things I secretly did would make so a, tri- a triple cheese. I've avoided mac. McDonald's
3: burgers for years because they just sucked for so long. Okay. Last week, I was, uh, I, I was on my way home from Menards.
0: And Say big money at Menards. When you buy a house,
3: you need things.
0: <laughs> Dick is about to be... Did you
3: know you need things if you buy a house?
0: Yeah, do you want to know something funny? Dick is about to go through the transformation that I'm sure you went through. I went through it that when you start to have to care for a home, when you go to Menards you start to enjoy yourself like oh my oh, god yeah. they've no. got these fucking futuristic door handles that you can unlock from your fucking cell phone
3: now what the fuck oh uh, that's everywhere i, I could I, i'm about to get one from best buy see so, i told as you as soon as i exactly. get a new door that can ha- that has a deadbolt um right. ha- so i'm at menards The just tangent from my tangent i'm at menards and i'm just like oh man I want to check this out Now I want to check this out and I want to check this out fucking
0: mailboxes are cool
3: <laughs> fucking
0: mailboxes <laughs> 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 gonna go get some screws anyway, so
3: I asked Miranda I was like hey do you want any food I'm, I'm on my way home I, I was just there to get um, a dryer ventilation tube hose tube and like a collapsible toilet paper. one yeah and okay. toilet paper that's all I was there to get
2: get your toilet paper at Sam's Club save you a bunch of money
3: didn't want to drive over there okay that's fair and i was already gonna be at menards i
2: don't shop at menards i hate that store. i know you do
3: um so i was like hey do you want anything and i was thinking
0: Uh, depot kind of
3: but i was thinking okay i'm gonna i think i'm gonna stop at mcdonald's she goes yeah mcdonald's is fine i was like what do you want just for a double cheeseburger i was looking i said i saw the double quarter pounder and i'm like that
2: i need that meat in my (laughs)
3: life I said that, I'm, I'm getting it really a burger. Sometimes do be like that. And, you know, they've really upped their burger game. The, I mean, now they, they're using fresh patties. Wendy's is still better. but Yeah, I was about to say, I'm getting oh, Wendy's yep. tonight. When Absolutely. I go Absolutely.
0: I can't have McDonald's. I was at my dad's house like a month and a half ago visiting. I hadn't been home for like several months. Ate McDonald's. And at four in the morning, I projectile vomited McDonald's. And let me tell you. Ooh. If you ever want to not eat McDonald's, that's definitely
2: less than do ideal.
0: that, because let me tell you, <coughs> return on the cheeseburger coming back out my mouth and nose. Made me never want to have McDonald's. If
2: I have to eat, if I eat, Ooh. if I eat McDonald's,
0: if I eat McDonald's, I
2: have to shit within twenty minutes of eating. Uh, Whoa!
3: Projectile vomiting is really a good way to not want to do something ever again. I mean, like I'll never want to play Edward Forty Hands again.
2: Is that because you projectile vomited, or because you projectile vomited and shit at the same time?
3: Uh, I did not project. I projectile vomited first, and then shit. That that was what down started the wall. it all. No, that's no. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> no. projectile vomited happening. I shit on a cat. So I went in. Finished throwing up, cleaned up what I could. I was, handed a, I was handed a new set of clean clothes via my friend Alan. Then, after a little bit, a little water's drank. I said, man, I have to throw up again. I knew it was coming, so I went to the bathroom. I go, I throw up. As I'm sitting there, you know, worshiping the porcelain god, I said, man, I really think I have to shit right now. So... I turn, I, 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 I wipe my face off, pull my pants down, and I shit in the toilet. What happens next? I'm sitting there for 20 minutes, just, you know, drunk. And then I'm like, man, I have to throw up again.
0: <laughs> Didn't they flush in that 20-minute time frame, did you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker! That, that's not, that's completely...
3: Irrelevant. Irrelevant. So I'm like, man, I got to throw up again. So I pull my pants. I wipe my ass. (laughs) Pull my pants up. I I turn around to throw up more. Instead of throwing up, I dry heave. And every heave (laughs) that I make...
0: Causes shit To come From my bowels It's like a mud gun (laughs) It
3: was Exactly that A fucking mud gun And next thing I know I have a pile of shit On the floor Because it overflowed From my shorts Damn (laughs) There was so much shit I uh a shit in a bucket once <laughs> when I was really drunk, and I apparently left it there for my friend to clean up. Why are we
0: having this Two conversation? Andrew. Nice. Okay. Uh, that's a
7: that's a story for. A he puked podcast. up a whole
0: biscuit. I did. Have you heard the biscuit story? Do I need to tell the biscuit story? I don't think it's been told on this show. i heard it. Man. Okay. You know what's cool is we're on live stream, so they're going to get to see me act it out because it's way funnier if I'm not it. I didn't get this. So. <clears throat> Nate has a really bad bout of bronchitis. I'm one of three managers at GameStop. If you know anything about GameStop, it needs two managers a day, which means you only get one day a week off. You're working the grind, right? So I'm working seven straight days with bronchitis, no time to go to the doctor, no time off, and I'm barely able to talk. I'm literally picking up the phone. Hey, here we go. You know, People are like, what the fuck are you saying, man? Like, what? <laughs> you say something about McDonald's? I'm not sure. Like, are we ordering sandwiches right now?
3: It's like that Dane Cook joke with the fucking ordering the food. Yeah, it's kind of like with the sweet and sour I sauce. Sweet
0: sour sauce.
3: Give me the sweet and sour sauce.
0: <laughs> so I get my, my 21 and a half year old self gets the bright idea. Alcohol is cleansing. I'll just go get tequila, and I'll get drunk as fuck, and that'll clear my bronchitis up, because it'll just eat all that bronchitis away, because science. That makes sense. (laughs)
6: Because science, Science, bitch. That's
0: exactly where my brain was, so I'm like, all right, so at the time, I lived in this little fucking apartment. And a breaking bad quote, by the way. uh, Yep. Nice breaking bad quote, (laughs) bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, across the street was a, a a liquor store. So, I literally just have to walk across this busy intersection street and go to the liquor store. Before I leave, my cro- my, my roommate, he goes, hey, man, what are you doing? And I'm like, I gotta go to the liquor store and I get the tequila. <laughs> and he goes, would you get me some, too? But, like, get me a flavored one, like orange. That would be really cool. And I was like, oh, I think they have Jose Queer. Well, I was actually like, hey, am going to get orange. Okay. <laughs> so, I... Get my shit together, grab the money, I walk down, I grab the fucking booze, I pay for them, two bottles of Jose Cuervo, and I'm walking out the door like I'm fucking Jolly St. Nick with two bottles, one in each hand, just da da, da. walk back into the apartment, <laughs> I, I start, yeah, yeah, I need to do the, I, I can't do the high voice, I have to remember that I was low voice at that time, I'm just uh, in my excited story mode, so I get to the house, and this is like a month after I've had a cell phone. So I start doing shots of my tequila, which is just straight up Jose Cuervo, no flavor, just doing lime and salt. That's all you need. Be a fucking man. Uh, My roommate is in the kitchen with his friends, and they are doing chaos killers. You do a shot of the orange Jose Cuervo, and then you drink a shot of monster chaos. Okay, because it's like an orange-orange thing. You're like building. So I'm sitting in there. I've had a couple of shots of my Jose Cuervo to myself. My throat's feeling a little bit okay. I've started to, for the first time in my life, drunk text people. And it's just friends and family. It's nothing like I didn't say anything about my dick or send dick pictures. I was just like, to my close friends, like, I just want you to know how much I love and appreciate you. You're like the greatest person, you know. So my buddy, roommate, he's, hey, man, come in here. We're going to do shot time. And I'm like, oh, shot time. Okay. So I go in there for one. <laughs> I'm thinking it's just one. It's not a big deal. It's one shot time. I'm a man. I can do it. Have the shot, the chaos killer with them. I go back. Oh, there's my bottle of Jose Cuervo. Holy shit. I'm going to have another shot of my Jose Cuervo. I'm so excited. I've officially reached drunk, and I don't realize it. We're in the danger zone now because I'm in party mode, and I am forgot that the throat hurts. I'm drunk texting people. And I'm happy. Roommate, shot time. Run back in there, okay? Don't worry. The acting, the big stage set shit's coming in a minute. I got to do some running. (laughs) It's very important to the story. So I get drunk to the point that I pass out. Everyone in my house thinks I'm dead. Sarah, roommate, everyone. They're like, oh, he's going to fucking die. He drank too much and he's going to die. What do we do? We're going to make some fucking biscuits and feed it to him. (laughs) I don't know whose idea that was, but they thought, put the biscuit in his stomach. Science, bitch. And it'll soak up the alcohol, right? So, apparently, I eat these biscuits. I have no recollection. However, at two in the morning, this is hours after the biscuits have been eaten by myself, I wake up in my living room. It's dark. TV's on. But that's it. Everyone's laying down. My eyes open wide. I'm going to stand up and do this while I walk around. I, I stand up. I, like, look around at everybody and I just start fucking running and I run all the way down the hall to my room but from this wall to that wall viewers can't see it's probably like what 50 feet if that yeah. I went from fully clothed to naked just and and I was just running so like I just was quickly like Woo! and yo and just doing the whole thing I get to the bed and I crash face first and I'm just ass up straight just laying on the bed knocked out and my roommate comes in and he goes hey man i just want you to know that if you need to puke the puke buckets right here next to the bed man we got you that puke bucket for your 21st birthday it's right here if you need it you got it sarah comes to bed everything's cool i fall asleep everything's normal 4 a.m i'm laying on my back Something is inside of me and I think it's a fucking alien. What the fuck? And it's It's moving slowly up my throat and I'm not sure. And then I realize I have to fucking puke. Oh no. The puke bucket, it's right there. So I stick my head in the bucket. I'm just like, "Uh,
8: uh, oh. And
0: eventually, an unchewed biscuit, I swear to God came out of my body, and I don't know how it
3: got in my body. A full, unchewed biscuit.
5: (laughs) This picture you being like a fucking snake. Oh,
0: dude. It was bad. So, My roommate's egging me on the whole time. He's shaking the bucket with fucking liquid in this whole biscuit, and he's like, great job, buddy. Holy shit. You (laughs) you, you puked a whole biscuit. (laughs)
5: <laughs> and
0: I'm like oh, fuck. Oh, good. oh good I'm glad I did that so I fall, ba- I fall back asleep it's over they clean up the puke biscuit it's a great time I wake up at 8 in the morning and I have to go to work and I roll over and I look at Sarah and her first words are holy fuck go into the fucking look in your eye and I'm like okay sure so i walk into the fucking bathroom and i look and my whole eye is blood i had puked so hard i broke every blood vessel under this eye and just had like it looked like i was in a fucking fight and of course i went to work begrudgingly and spoiler alert the bronchitis was cured that really (laughs) happened true story and that's the time i puked a whole biscuit the end (laughs) I with. now
3: know the cure for bronchitis. No,
0: you don't want that cure. <laughs> trust. Tequila
3: and biscuits.
2: Tequila and biscuits. Tequila and biscuit. <sighs> biscuit. Yeah. biscuit yeah. Singular. Well,
0: there were several biscuits, I'm sure, that went down, but only one came up. That's the terrifying <laughs> that's thing. The, Do you think they all, the all formed together?
3: They one Voltron Biscuit.
2: Voltron <laughs> biscuit. <laughs> biscuit episode title.
7: You know what Walgreens does every year for Christmas, uh, and I think CVS does something similar, since they're like direct competition. Um, I might be wrong about CVS. I know Walgreens does this for sure. They have like a whole, like a whole row of toys that are, I don't know, like between five and twenty dollars or something, uh, that are always like buy one or buy, I don't, I don't, it's, there's some crazy deal, like buy two, get two free or buy, buy one, get one free or I don't know. Uh, we took advantage of that. Well, I I can't say I took advantage of that. Ashley took advantage of that. So that's actually where we did a majority of our Christmas shopping this year was at Walgreens. Cause the, the girls at four years old, they don't need anything big and expensive. They don't need anything fancy. they They want the more stuff you have at that age, the better not the better stuff, the more stuff. It's not till they get to be around the age marks at where they really start noticing like the quality of their gifts, you know? Um So, when they're young, you could fill them up with just dollar tree gifts and they're happy. They just they love that that idea of unwrapping something and not knowing what's inside. So the more somethings that they can unwrap not knowing what's inside, the better. So I mean, don't break your back. Break your— back. is such a stupid term. That's not what I meant to say. Don't don't go too far out of your way to get your four-year-old like the hottest gift of the season. Like last year, I think it was Hatchimals or whatever. Uh, and yeah, the girls wanted Hatchimals, and you know what? They didn't get them last year because I'm not. We don't we don't do like the big toy craze usually. Uh, granted, I, I've there's been nothing really worth getting, but. The hatchimals were just nuts. I mean, it's like sixty bucks. or I don't, maybe even more. I don't even remember how much they were. I just remember they were insane and they were constantly sold out. And I, I, they were they were three last year. You know, are they even in in five years? Are they even going to remember that they didn't get a hatchimal? No. But you know what? We got them hatchimals this year because they're cheaper this year, a lot easier to get this year. So. You know the big toy that they wanted last year? They're getting it this year for half the price and half the effort. Ah, that's a crappy way to put it. Not half the effort, but you know, it was easier to get them. I didn't have to wait in line at a store at midnight to make sure I got one or anything. And it's just it's a it's it's a, it's a toy animal that it only gets you only get to hatch it once. You know, just buy them stuffed animals. Yeah, they don't get to hatch them, but you know what? It's... So what? You're you're going to pay 60 bucks just so they can hatch it once? And then it's just a toy at that point. And they could care less about it. So, I hope you didn't go crazy for hatchimals last year. And I, I honestly probably paid more than I should have this year for them. Because you're paying all that extra money just to hatch it out of an egg one time. And then throw that egg away and then... It's just a toy that goes in the pile with the rest of the toys. Nothing else special about it. And that's what most of the like the hot toys are. you know. I don't know what makes them go crazy for them. I don't know if it's just like who has the best advertising that year or something. I remember, When I was a kid, it was Tickle Me Elmo was one of them. Well, I guess I wasn't a kid when that... I, I don't remember how old I was with Tickle Me Elmo. But that's like the first... That was the first like toy craze that I feel like I was aware of was the Tickle Me Elmo. And people were fighting at the stores over these Tickle Me Elmos. And it was it was just an Elmo doll that you squeeze the stomach stomach and it goes ha
5: ha ha that tickles.
7: There's a billion toys that do that. A billion. They might not be Elmo, but there's How many toys out there that you squeeze their belly and they laugh or something? There's so many of them. So many. And people are fighting for these friggin' Elmo dolls. And then Beanie Babies was another one. Luckily with Beanie Babies, it wasn't like stores were out of them. It was like if there was a certain one you wanted, yeah, you might not get that one. But there was like a hundred of them. Maybe more. I don't remember how many Beanie Babies there were. I know I had a dozen of them when I was a kid. But I had like the ones that... The the common ones, you know? Because my mom wasn't going to go and fight people for the rare Beanie Babies. Who cares about that? They were little beanbag toys that had a a heart-shaped tag on them, you know? This year, uh, from what I can tell, the hot toy or hot item is the uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu uh, Bundle Pack. For Nintendo Switch, that's at least that's one of the hot toy items because I I'll tell you what I'm looking for it right now because that's what Mark wants for Christmas, uh, and we we got a Nintendo Switch about a month ago uh, that I drunkenly ordered on eBay. Actually, it, man, it had to have been way more than a month ago because I I quit drinking three months ago. I don't think I've talked about that on the podcast, but that's because it's not that's not like to do with my kids or anything. But yeah, I, I quit drinking three months ago, but. Uh, or maybe I wasn't drunk when I ordered it Maybe Ashley was drunk and that's how I convinced her To let me order it That's probably more likely We ordered it a couple months ago From eBay, came in And has been sitting in my closet ever since uh, And we debated about sending it back Or not sending it back, but we debated about Reselling it or if we were going to keep it or not Because we already have a Playstation 4 And I mean we barely get to use that And the, Mark is only over every other weekend. Scarlett's too young for a Nintendo Switch. I don't trust her with it. Um, so we debated if we were going to keep it or not. But end of the day, it's it's a pretty cool thing. So I kind of wanted to keep it. Ashley wants Zelda Breath of the Wild. So anyway, so Mark's been asking for a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. So uh, the family is getting a Nintendo Switch for Christmas. Just so it's not his name going on the tag. Otherwise he's going to think it's his and he can control it and tell the girls when they can and can't play it. And that's not happening. So it's going to be, uh, the plant family is going to get to open the Nintendo switch for Christmas. But, uh, in the meantime, he's also asking for Pokemon. Let's go Pikachu. And I mean, he can get the game without like the bundle pack is it comes with the Pokeball. You know, if anybody's familiar with the Pokemon world, if you're not get familiar with it, because you're good. If you have kids, you're going to need to know because Pokemon has been hot since I was in middle school. It's it's, and it keeps coming back over and over and over again, getting big again. And then it fades for a year or so, but then it comes back again when the next cycle of games comes out. So get yourself familiar with the Pokemon world because it, it It'll at least help you understand what the hell your kids are talking about. I lucked out because uh, Pokemon came out when I was in, I don't know, maybe 5th, 6th grade. Uh, and I got it for Game Boy. And it's been one of my all-time favorite games since. Now, I didn't get deep into, like, the next generations. Uh, I, I'm still a first-gen guy. So, as far as I'm concerned, there's only 151 Pokemon. Um, but... Oh, God, that was the nerdiest thing I've ever said on this show. Anyway, uh, the Let's Go Pikachu game, the bundle pack comes with the game that you can plug into your Nintendo Switch, and it comes with a controller shaped like the Pokeball um, that, from all the reviews I've read, is supposed to greatly enhance uh, playing the game. It's supposed to be really a really intuitive controller for playing Pokemon uh, Let's Go. Um, and it's supposed to be good for almost nothing else. However, uh, I, I keep finding out more and more cool stuff about it. Is It links to the Pokemon Go app. If anybody plays Pokemon Go on their phone or their kids play Pokemon Go on their phone, um, this Pokeball controller can link to your game on the Nintendo Switch and the game on the app so that you can transfer Pokemon... Well, you can already transfer Pokemon back and forth, but the cool thing is you can keep... A pokemon that you caught in the game captive in the ball and then when you carry the ball around the pokemon gets experience points i'm really nerding out on this and i know not everybody listening to this plays pokemon so you have no idea what the hell i'm talking about but it's it's pretty cool this bundle pack is really cool and honestly uh you buy the game for 60 bucks you can buy the controller separate for 50 bucks it's 110 dollars uh, this bundle pack is $100. So all this extra work you're putting into finding the bundle pack, because the bundle pack is hot this year. The the Let's Go Pikachu is hot, and it's sold out everywhere. Um, Let's Go Eevee. Eevee is another Pokemon in the game. is a lot easier to find. So uh, if your kids are asking for the Pokemon Let's Go bundle pack, uh, just know that if they say they want the Pikachu one, they're going to be disappointed when they open the Eevee one. I'm sorry. sorry to... You know, burst your bubble. They'll be excited that they got the game, but they're gonna be bummed when they get the Eevee one if they specifically ask for the Pikachu one. Now some kids like Eevee better, but clearly based on the sales that they're seeing in the stores and which ones are available in the stores still, uh Eevee is the much less popular character. Pikachu is like the I don't know, he's the the mascot of the game, you know, and he has been for fifteen years. So, uh, he's recognizable and that's why everybody wants him. But yeah, so this bundle pack is only saving you $10 over buying the components separately, but there's just something cool about that bundle pack. It just, it, oh, well, for one thing, it comes with a special edition Pokemon that you can't get otherwise. So that's like the selling point is you can't catch the certain Pokemon unless you buy the bundle pack. God damn it. I'm nerding out. Nobody wants to hear about this. Nobody wants to hear about this. This is not a video game podcast. This is a kid's podcast. But you know what? This is important stuff for parents to know. If their kids are into Pokemon and they're asking for something and you have no idea what the hell they're talking about, do some homework, man. I mean, I know a lot of the people listening to this that have kids are probably around my age, so they grew up with video games and everything. Like My mom is still, to this day, clueless about video games, but that's because she didn't have it when she was a kid. So, she has no frame of reference for what it's like being a kid wanting these video games. And I do. So, that's why I kind of do my homework on them. If there's a certain game Mark's asking for, I'll look it up. I'll look up how it's played and if he can handle it. And, you know, not that I censor him, but I also don't want him having to come up to me every three minutes and, hey, dad, what does this do? And, hey, dad, how do you do this? Because, you know, I don't want to necessarily play these games. So, I just want to make sure he can without my assistance, you know? And that's really shrewd and shitty to say like, oh, I don't want to play with my kid at all. And I don't mean it like that. But if you have kids his age that are playing video games, you know, you know how frustrating it is when you're in the middle of cooking dinner for them and every minute and a half they're coming in, hey, Dad, I need you to do this. And it's like, hey, I'm stirring a pot right here. I can't quite do that. Or you're out mowing the lawn and, you know, they race out in the yard you know, hey, dad, I don't know how to read. It's like, dude, I I just need I need an hour to finish what I'm doing. And then I can come help you. But they don't understand that. And that's why that's why it's just easier. If you get the stuff that's tailored to them, you know, I shouldn't have to tell you that you should know that already. But Pokemon Let's Go is a game that he can absolutely play. I already got him play. I think I talked about this already. I, I got him playing the Game Boy version of pokemon the original pokemon blue i plugged that into the game boy and i did it as like a test to see if you know since his reading scores were down and i can't get him motivated enough to read books around the house uh i did it to see if there was something i could get him to care about reading you know uh and i figured a video game would be the way to do that and guess what he's doing it he's not reading as much as i wanted him to it's a very texty game, you know. Anytime you're in the middle of something, you know, it's it was before games, like, talked to you. So everything was in text. Um, so there's a lot of reading. And one thing that backfired on me that I didn't think about was all the Pokemon names are just made-up words. So him learning to read those words has almost no value to him learning to read I, that's not entirely true he's still uh, picking apart the letters and and the sections of the words and sounding them out and pronouncing them so that's it's helping his phonics skills but it's not helping his vocabulary any and or the his understanding of sight words or anything he's just learning to read nonsense words uh, by picking apart the sounds which is you know it's I have to imagine it's somewhat beneficial, but not as, not as much as I had originally thought when I was thinking this through. But um, Yeah, here I am, sidetracked again, talking about Pokemon. And I was talking about Pokemon Let's Go, but I think I'm done with that anyway. Oh, Christmas shopping, Christmas shopping, Christmas shopping.
9: It's time for Brews with Dudes ah juicy
3: this is uh interesting so you murder people you're you're skewer people here here is a (laughs) (laughs) how-to
5: because of business cards
3: oh is this uh it's a uh for shotgunning yes yes you got it or murdering people both we shotgun- both. both, both. Usually a healthy dose of
9: both. I like a healthy Sloan, dose of murder. Thank you for joining us Duh. tonight.
3: Oh shit! We got Ethan Henderson. What's up? So I don't know if we're going
9: to uh, be shotgunning any of these uh, tall boys, but maybe we can bust
3: out a, a natty light or something. And <laughs> I'd be willing to practice to be a Practice. Mr. Heritage himself, Tyler McLaughlin. Welcome. I love you, Tyler. Ah, it smells good.
8: Does it I don't smell anything on the beer gambit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that
9: smells like a beer gambit. Yep, just like I thought. All right. Without further ado, should we dive on into this one? Yee. Let's
8: do it. Yeah. Oh my lord! Delicious. Oh my land! This smells yee.
3: like pineapple juice. It
6: does.
3: Ooh. Oh my god. That that tastes, tastes like pineapple juice. This is fantastic. Like alcoholic pineapple juice. Mm. Yep. Mm. That's the stuff.
5: Mm.
3: I'm rather enjoying this. Me too. I like it. Glad I had you buy a shit ton of it.
9: (laughs) She loaded up. (laughs) Yes. She loaded up. We made the trip today to pick up some of these beers. All these beers, actually, that we're going to be drinking. Lots of slushy action. A little bit of milkshake. Tyler is raping that Hi, love trend. button good I don't know if that's the word I would have used but I'm I'm sensitive oh there it goes you see it going out
3: of control <laughs> the in the background in the in the past in yep. the past past yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's
8: freaking me out I can't look at <laughs> the TV it's freaking me out Bruce Dude, we're actually uh, it's like a bad Chinese film when you're watching we're trying. watching our past past selves watching our past I don't like it
9: This. <laughs> goodness we're getting, we're getting, we're getting
3: <laughs> it. Yeah, because the TV is still in the TV. Oh my
9: goodness! It's so, it's so weird. I'm rather enjoying you, Tyler McLaughlin. Past, pastception. Goodness. Me feeling all sorts of excited.
8: Are we incepting ourselves? I we're think getting so. caught up. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting a little. I
9: think we're getting a little too to look there, into looking. There's the something screen. about
8: that uh, uh, fucking TV. It's so big and it's just yeah. Like, we just we just added a new yeah, TV,
9: TV to the uh, to the lounge office. And it's entirely too big, so we're able to finally see the comments and stuff. Is this Which, my old TV? Yes. Old,
8: old.
3: I'm it, so glad you could use it for this. It completely yeah.
8: just, like, sums up the whole term idiot box, because we're just looking at it like a bunch of fucking idiots. <laughs>
5: look, there's there's yeah. myself in the, in the box. Oh, look, I'm on the movie picture man. box. I look
8: good in the box. <laughs> it reminds me of that.
5: Mama op-
9: always said I look good in the box. That, that reminds me of that Gross. Aquatine Teen
8: Hunger Force episode where it's... uh the haunted house the house is haunted and it's like hey look it's me i'm on tv <laughs> <Would you laughs> master shakes all like enthralled with it and he sees like fry lot kill him and or like meat wad kill him and he's always like you stay away from me <laughs> i don't trust you
5: oh keegan's on
8: what up keegan
9: welcome to the fracas
5: i love that word so much
9: me too it's a nice word. A I love this beer. Word. Yeah, I'm already ready for the next one. I think yeah. it
3: was a quite a taste. I was though.
8: slowly just. I was
3: enjoying it, but now I was doing a slow imbibe to
8: really just let the flavor <laughs> resonate.
3: Sorry, I'm sorry, Dave. So <laughs> I feel bad, bad for you. Right now. Why do you feel bad? Because you're just you're just like man. I was trying to savor this, but I guess we'll just finish it. No,
5: I mean <laughs> I'll drink whatever. Look at me.
3: My goodness, what are we looking
9: beautiful. at?
5: Beautiful. Just do it. Look at those eyes. Ooh, okay. Just this magnificent. Hey, Dave, do a trick. <laughs> I don't have any tricks other than get shirtless. <laughs> That's, it. Well,
8: eat sandwiches. That's
5: a good one. Are you I eat? do you
9: like seeing you eat sandwiches. Are you going to eat a sandwich? I
5: destroyed a Baconator on the way here, like Why in the car wait? on
8: 65. <laughs> he can't wait. It's Dave.
7: Yeah.
9: Can't wait, for, can't wait for burgers. Is that when, a new well, song? You smell the bacon. Can't wait for burgers. <laughs> can't wait for burgers. <laughs> It's a chips exclusive right here. I like that. I like that quite a bit. Do you put chips on your
8: burgers? Why not? Hmm, I could. It's like when you're a kid and you put potato chips in your peanut butter jelly sandwich, and it's just yeah, it's just like a crunchy peanut butter jelly sandwich.
9: That sounds amazing. No, I'm just yeah. yeah it's, it, just it sounds great. amazing. Why You've not done that? No, of course I've done that. I'm 27 years old. Of course I put chips on my burger. <laughs> no, you're I'm from Indiana. You're <laughs> I've never jelly. done that. Oh, definitely. With every PBJ. kind of sandwich. Every kind of sandwich. Every
5: sandwich I put chips on. All kinds of
3: chips, man. <laughs> yeah, just. I mean, I've had potato chip <laughs> sandwiches, but I've never put chips on a burger. That I can remember.
8: Well, I got Brett to put french fries on his pizza last night, and he's just like, this is so good. Of course. Then we're talking yeah. about like some chili cheese fries pizza. Ooh. And that sounds like... Sounds a great combination because... I'm using all of these for chip songs <laughs> just so you know good mm. and then like in front of the North End Pub I was uh it says uh pinball pizza wings or pizza pinball wings yeah. and I'm like what if he actually made uh, like a a food item that was called pinball pizza wings fuck <laughs> bet call Casey right now <laughs> Because like it almost looks like that because there's no mm. way to like really break up the wording and just if you read it all as one it's like pinball pizza wings. A wing
9: flavored pizza would be sick. Like no you just you off. take like,
8: like a, a a chicken wing, wrap it in pizza, deep fry it, and then you serve it on like a pinball platter. Or you put it in a pinball what are you, machine. <laughs>
3: about? I think you're onto something, it sounds Great, <laughs> <It> sounds <laughs> fucking great <laughs> idea.
8: I I was I was thinking of that while I was. And completely just destroying a Frisco thick burger, before I went in for bowling last night. It was great.
3: I'm really glad Frisco. you got that. Huh? I'm glad you got that.
8: Me too. It took me like 15 minutes in the drive-thru just yep. after order. I was order. concerned for you. Yep. And the poor girl at the window, I wanted to be like, well, it was taking so long, but I, you could tell it's just some poor new girl just like <laughs> totally screwed up the guy's order in front of her, and she's just like really scared that she has my order wrong too, and I'm just, just – went really pleasant, thanked her, and like, have a good night, and she's just, like, cringed at me when I said it. And I'm like, aw, poor little teenage girl in her first job. She's fucking up so quick. <laughs> She'll she learn not proud. to care. Yes. <laughs> that. What Dave then said. Then I, I, I kind of, like, reflected on it later as I was, like, stuffing fries down my throat and driving to the pub. Like, she was like that homely girl in high school that gets the fast food job. And it's just like, that's her life. <laughs> oh
5: that's really depressing, though. That's, that's her life. <laughs> Damn, you're making Them me being sad. That, uh, I mean, I get it, because... Here's be, to
3: you, steak and shake girl. Being from Delphi. I was about
8: to ask, was it steak and shake? But everybody knows that girl that they went to high school with. Oh, yeah. With that was being just, from Delphi. Just had that, like, no like, I know real several life several girls other than going to the people. fast food work after school. And it's just like, that's what they were. And the home life was terrible. And it's the only way to escape. And it was still fucking bullshit fast food.
3: I know several people life. that are still at McDonald's in Delphi from when I was in high school.
9: Dude, if you find a job that you love, <clears throat> then you make
3: a career out of it. Next yeah. year's ten, my 10-year ten anniversary. <laughs> at Subaru? No, at, from graduation. Oh, wow. You're old. Man. Mine, too. <laughs> you old. Yeah. I think it's beer time.
5: It's beer time. Let's beer go. us, Chris.
8: And the beer is good. Good stuff. Uh Beer. Blueberry dessert slushie. There we go. Blueberry dessert slushie. We have a uh, blueberry pie slushie. It's actually called blueberry dessert, but when they uh, when they announced it to us, it said it was a blueberry pie slushie. It is a their first dessert slushie. It's a smoothie-style Berlin wise with blueberry vanilla, cinnamon, and brown sugar. Mm. Brown sugar!
5: I like that. Baby, you make me feel so
9: good. D Town for life, says Ethan Henderson. He, I only occasionally wander through D Town. That, that, it's oh for the God. best.
8: It smells like a blueberry pie. No. <laughs> no. No way. No. No. Get out. Don't
5: believe
8: it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. Can I stay? <laughs> you may stay. Yes. If I was going to take this whisper, am I, am I
5: like didn't tell you to this? go. <laughs>
8: just told you no. That was a no, don't go.
5: No, don't, stop.
8: Don't stop? Yeah. Okay. I'm believing. I'm
5: believing.
6: whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs>
8: Nailed it! I'm a big fan of all these like it's a hataway random song, song <laughs> lyrics. I have
3: that CD. It was uh, one of those times where you just see the CD and you're like, "Yep, I'm gonna buy that. It's three bucks." <laughs> I need that in the collection. I, I, I have to get it. That CD's three dollars, and I want people to be like, "Why is this here?" Because it was three dollars. Be, be because amazing. I want to listen to "What Is Love" on repeat. Don't hurt me.
8: Oh, that Everybody reminds me. I need to buy a Bon Jovi no CD. More. Why? So I can
9: get
3: a Boner Jovi assignment and increase its value tenfold? No, Boner Jovi. Yes. I still have my Boner Jovi signed vinyl.
4: Woo! Yet, yet! Yet, yet, I
8: But, uh. Wow. I need, I, I need to huh, give love a bad name.
3: Miranda, thoughts?
0: It's not bad. It's interesting.
9: Not bad. So, bad. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. Yeah.
8: There is. Hmm. Better
2: than what
8: I thought. There's the cinnamon's definitely up front, which gives you that crushed sort of taste. And then, like, the rest of the blueberry and this vanilla and stuff. It of.
5: does taste like a blueberry pie.
8: Yeah. <clears throat> it's okay. That's definitely... Just notice that. Mr. Evan Henderson said D Town for life.
9: i said that as well. I see Mr. Dustin Chavez has joined. Yeah, Nick Phillips, the Pod Father, he's in on the action. Welcome to the fray. Pod daddy. It's
5: not going, dog. I so don't, could I don't we care. technically call him <laughs> the P daddy, P diddy. P diddy? Sean Puffy comes. Nate, Puffy, Phillips. <laughs> i start calling him Puffy
9: now.
3: Blessing this one good. <laughs> He's blessing it good. This one good,
9: folks. Thank you, yeah. Pod Uncle. <laughs> Pot Uncle.
8: Creepy Pot Uncle. Thank you, Puffy Phillips. It's not Pulse. fair. There's,
9: there's too many of us that don't have nicknames. We don't need to give Nate a hundred of them. Okay? You've got nicknames.
5: Names. Right. Maybe you should be the Pot Uncle. <laughs> okay. Or can be the pod creepy uncle? Or could we just call you punkle? <laughs> I'd like it <I'd> like <laughs> if you were the punk daddy.
9: You strike me as a punk daddy. Yeah, that's even better term punk for daddy. punkle. He's I punk- dig that. Uncle. I, I dig that.
5: Punkle Dave. Punkle? Punkle Dave. I like punkle. Punkle? That's cute. Like punkle Henry. It's Henry punkle Rollins. It's Punkle, punkle Henry. Punkle Davey. There you go. Punkle a, Davey. I'll y-
8: take it. it. It's a PD chips. Punkle Dave chips. <laughs>
9: These aren't good. Now names. we're getting weird. You're bad. <laughs> getting, <laughs> these, these are, are just terrible.
8: terrible. <laughs> None of these are good or clever. We're just. Quite that's
3: garbage. That's what makes,
8: it, it? That, that's Why what makes a nickname. Garbage. <laughs> it's this total garbage name that you're not really the most supportive of, but everybody keeps calling you it, so it sticks. <laughs> that's how Daddy Max came around. <laughs> like, Please stop
9: calling me that. Like, nope. The fact that you don't like it. Means it's going gone stay. <laughs> it's like, no, it. it's stick it even better.
3: I love the story of how Gooch became Gooch. I'm sure it's colorful. Not really. <laughs> Surprisingly not, but it's still a good story. Well, Especially if Ray tells it. Especially if Ray tells it while he's drunk.
8: Which is every time you see Ray. <laughs> Actually,
3: which last is time every I saw time Ray. I see Ray. He was
8: super sober and he hadn't gotten drunk yet. Which is Damn. a totally different Ray.
3: Totally different Ray. <laughs> yeah.
8: Next time I see that guy and he's not drunk, I'm going to sit down and just do shots with him until he's smashed.
5: It's like half a shot.
8: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. No, we're we're at a... Stories.
9: For being a boss, he's...
8: Remember going to a Logan Logan Sports (laughs) show with Lucifist. I helped him uh, drive a bunch of their equipment up there because I have a truck. And him and I sat at the bar afterwards doing shots of Tula (laughs) Dew, reminiscing about old times. And he got fucking smashed. And he's like, you good to drive? I'm like, of course. <laughs> I only did four shots. I, I love I to drive. <laughs> I, I drive. I drive. Drive to,
9: to win. I drive a car.
8: I
5: drove him to that uh, Kokomo show, that Hall- the Halloween outhouse show. Yeah, where he where was y'all smashed. came in smelling
9: like tacos? Yeah. Wasted and smelling like he, tacos. He came to my
5: house wasted. <laughs> And then he just continued to drink. And like last week, I was talking to him. He didn't know like half the shit I was telling me. He's like, "Wait, I did that?" I'm like, "You don't remember fighting me and on stage?" He's like,
8: "No." You know, him and I talked about that. How him and I were the only ones getting into your Black Flag set, and I appreciate you it. fought him off of you <laughs> through the whole set. And then I threw them. I shoved the mic stand at Mike.
5: My... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
8: It was a good time.
5: Crazy show.